Hello, my name is Austin Fontanella, and I'm one of the writers here at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Today, I want to introduce you to Dennis Gordon and Becky Nutley. They are father and daughter, and both are patients at Dana-Farber. Becky has smoldering multiple myeloma, and Dennis is recovering from bladder cancer. I was able to sit down with the two of them to learn more about their journeys and how they've been able to grow closer together through all of this. Here is the full interview, which I hope you will enjoy. Joining us now is a father-daughter duo, Becky Nutley and Dennis Gordon. And what makes these two kind of unique and special is both are patients here at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So I want to thank the two of you for coming in and joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Becky, I, w I want to start with, with your story because it is a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for, you know, just as some background information, uh, if you wouldn't mind telling people kind of you know, your current condition and how you found out that all came to be. Oh, okay. Um, I'm diagnosed with multiple myeloma and um, I was diagnosed about four years ago. I had psoriatic arthritis and I um, went to my rheumatologist and she took a, her, the blood test that she always takes and she found that my protein levels were kind of high. So she's like, that's not because of the arthritis. So she sent me down back to my primary care. My primary care did a test called the SPEP. That's the test that they use for multiple myeloma. And, they, and it, it found out that I had smoldering multiple myeloma, which was a shock to me because I had never even heard of multiple myeloma. And so I, uh, I came here to Dana-Farber to meet with my doctor, would meet with Dr. Gobriel for the first time. Um, and she was awesome. But it was a very scary time, and so she got me involved in a clinical trial um, right away, actually. I was the first person in it. It just happened to open up as soon as I was diagnosed. And so I was in that clinical trial for two years, which was, you know, it was good. I was followed by Dr. Gobriel and things. And it worked for the first uh, six or eight weeks it did. I had a partial response, which was good. Um, after that, it didn't really seem to do much, the medicine that I was on. So um, yeah, I finished out the trial and then I kind of went off of uh, medicine for a couple months and then it, my numbers grew a little bit more. And um, I went in for a meeting with Dr. Gobriel and my husband and everything. And we decided because the multiple myeloma, the way my, um, my, my, my gene information came back, it was very aggressive and so uh, right now I don't have any like kind of it's asymptomatic so I don't have any issues with any of my organs or anything like that but I would if I didn't do anything so instead of waiting and Dr. Gold was really big about this you know why you just with smoldering multiple myeloma people just wait to get sick you know why can't we do something before you get sick and I you know I like her thinking and I don't want to get sick and I don't want to have damage to my organs and we decided to do a stem cell transplant so that that was a year ago um, a year ago August I had a stem cell transplant and it was pretty it was pretty rough ordeal but I got through it and I went back to work and everything so right now I still have treatment I still come in once a month for medicine and I take medicine at home but right now I'm technically in remission so that's really good and I'm happy about that. Dr. Gobrils, you know she said if anything they can always add different meds. There's a lot of new meds for multiple myeloma and she also has me on a list for a clinical trial for CAR-T if, if things start looking not so good you know in the near future so 
Right now, we're kind of just waiting and just seeing how the medicine goes and things like that. You had mentioned routine, you know, because routine blood yes, work, yep. you weren't expecting yep. it. You, ca you get hit with a bombshell. Yes. W what was kind of going through your mind when all that stuff happened? Oh, I don't know. It was so hard. My kids were so young. My youngest son was like three, and my other boy was like five. So I was worried about them, and I, you know, my we didn't really understand everything that was happening. You know, you're kind of in shock, I don't know. And you, they tell you not to go on the internet. You go on the internet and you look and, you know, the death rate with multiple and there's no cure and all that kind of stuff. And you freak out, you know. I remember I was just kind of like, I feel like I was frozen, like I couldn't move, you know what I mean? Like I just, I just was like, I was completely in shock. You know, we went through the motions, we went to the appointments, you know. I had a lot of crying, um, and then I think one day I decided, you know, I can't just be frozen. I can't just, you know, I have to be a mom. I remember my little one, my three-year-old, he was in preschool. I mean, when he was three, he was in preschool, and I remember the teacher being like, is everything okay at home because he's acting different? It was so interesting to me because I didn't even think about talking to them about it because they were so young, you know? and. And even my five-year-old kind of, he knew something was going on too at the time when he was five. So it affected the whole family. And I didn't even get that at that point because I was so just in shock. And then I decided, you know, I had to talk to my oldest son and say, listen, you know, and kind of give him a little brief thing of what was going on to try to calm him down. He's a warrior, you know, and he felt, he felt there was something wrong. So he, I feel like he knew it. And then my younger son was three. I mean, how do you explain that to him? So. I kind of, in the briefest way, try to explain it to them and, you know. So, and then I got to talk about it to people, you know, because you don't tell people at first because you're like, you don't want people to think there's something wrong with you. It's kind of hard to share that with people. And I remember I went to work on that Monday after I found out and I was like, I don't even know why I went to work, honestly. I was, I didn't even dress nicely. I didn't have any makeup on. I looked like I was a mess. I went to work that Monday and I didn't even know how I even did any work, you know. And um, I went to my boss and I told her and I couldn't even like, I was like a mess. So I was diagnosed around Christmas time. It was a great time, right? Um, and then, you know, that spring they have the MMRF race, like the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation race. And so we meet a team, you know, they had a bunch of friends volunteer. We all ran it and like, it was really nice. So as time went on, I feel like I felt better. I got a lot of support from people and I was able to talk about it more, but it did take some time, you know? It was a huge bombshell and it, just shocking. It just, you know, you're like, why me? And I just, I just, you know, not, you don't understand why it happens to you, you know? But you gotta keep living every day and try to be happy. And like, I, that's what I just try to do, you know, try to enjoy everything every day. And I told my dad this a million times, it's my new nor normal, you know, this is my new normal. I have to come to the hospital once a month, you know, I have to get treatment, but it's okay, you know, as long as I can, be as healthy as I possibly can at this time and, you know, enjoy it and be around for my boys, you know, and, uh, and my family and things like that, you know, and continue working. I like, you know, and go out with my friends. <laughs> it sounded like talking about it was kind of a turning point for you. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't really want to tell people, you know. And I work in a school too. And I have this whole thing where I don't want kids to know what's going on with me. I'm sure they all do now. <laughs> it's okay to talk about it, you know, it's not like you have to. Yeah, you don't want people to know. So I'm, I got better at talking about it, honestly. Now, you had talked about uh, you'd also been a test patient. You were yes. a, 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 you know, a, a trial, and you were the first patient. Yeah, <laughs> I know, patient number up, one. Patient yeah. number one. Yeah. 
Did that make you nervous going into something that you hadn't done before? Well, you know, honestly, I don't I don't feel like I was that nervous because I think when I spoke to Dr. Gober, I actually always trusted her from the beginning and I felt like, okay, we're gonna attack this thing. We're not gonna just sit there and wait for me to get sick. We're gonna do something about it. So I don't feel like I was nervous. I felt actually more I felt good that we were doing something. I couldn't be a person just sitting there waiting and having every month and coming back for test results. And then they wouldn't really treat me until like, like my kidneys aren't working well or you know, that type of thing. So like I wasn't that nervous and they did tell, and I believe, you know, I, I tend to always believe exactly what people say. They're like, oh, the medicine, you know, there's not a lot of side effects. And they were right, there wasn't a lot of side effects. The most thing was like, the steroids <laughs> that they give you to take the medicine that I feel like I had more side effects from that. But um, I think I was like, okay, we're doing something and this is gonna work and I'm gonna stay positive and that type of thing. I feel like that was more of my mindset. Yeah, pro proactive, yeah. yeah. Makes yeah. things, you know, It made me feel better that, yeah, that we could do something. So from there, we're gonna bring in your father yeah. here, Dennis. Dennis, I, we had, um, I mean, heard your daughter's story and I know yours is a little different and we were talking off air. As Okay. Kind of very quickly, but would you mind telling, kind of walking people through what you've been through? Well, I actually went uh, in about December of 2017. We were headed to Florida. And uh, I had gone to my uh, regular doctor in December. He says, there's a little, bl little blood in your urine. And he says, it's just, my, just something minor. Okay, so we got down to, uh, got down to Florida and about the 16th or 17th of Florida, it was pretty bad. And uh, I went to the emergency room and uh, they really didn't have much of an answer for me. And uh, finally, I did get hooked up with a uh, urologist uh, down there, but it was tough to get hooked up with one that was more than a two or two and a half star. And I wasn't <laughs> gonna go to those. <laughs> and that's a fact. I finally found a four and a half star, but that was the, the first of March. So I'd been down there a while. And he says, sure enough. And I had a very aggressive uh, type of bladder cancer. So we pretty much packed, packed up and headed north in March. And usually I stay through till April. And uh, got back up here and talked to Becky and uh, made the deci decision to go to Dana-Farber. On top of that, my urologist in, in Utica actually took his internship at uh, Brigham Women's Hospital. So that was a little bit of a push there too. So, so was there ever a doubt of coming to Dana-Farber for your treatment? Was it because of the treatment Becky had received or were you- Well, there's two, two reasons. Number one, my urologist, you know, I knew where he'd come from. And number two, Becky was right here and kind of uh, set things ago. Uh, going for me. Yeah, and there was a point when you were deciding because there, you'd have to, get, you could have treatment in Utica like he could have <coughs> chemo in Utica. There was another situation yeah. too. I had one, one of my kidneys w was not working at its capacity of what it should be at my age, so I could have taken the um, uh, the chemo in Utica, but they changed the mixture of the chemo every trip that I had. Okay, I had 11 sessions of chemo, and they, they changed it according to how my, my kidney was working. And I didn't want to take the chance of having that information passed to somebody else. They knew what they were, what they were doing there. That was, a num that was a n one of the number one reasons that uh, 
I, I made that decision. And uh, since uh, my doctor knew Dr. Chang that did the operation, you know, it felt like old home week, you know? <laughs> and uh, basically that's how it all came about. And by the way, I got a clean bill of health today. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That is fantastic yeah. to yeah. hear. For you, I mean, was this, a, was this a shock to you? And was this something that you never thought was possible? Or no. this kind of nowhere? No, because number one, they, they say usually it's from smokers. And I've never, never smoked in my life. Yeah. Don't know. Do you remember kind of when they told you what was going through your mind? I was nervous, very nervous. But uh, <laughs> really though, uh, they didn't tell me how big an operation this was <laughs> until it was over with. <laughs> might have been a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it might have been a very good thing. <laughs> now, so we, we started saying that again, father, daughter, here, yeah. and un unfortunately both have had to go through, through cancer. Have the two of you leaned on each other at all? Dennis, when you found out, did you go to Becky with, with any kind of questions? I mean, is it something you two have almost shared? Uh, to somewhat. I've never talked too much about it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I really haven't. I know it was there. I knew it had to be taken care of. And I'm, I guess I just didn't talk very much about yeah. it. Really didn't. I feel like I helped my dad with some of these decisions. I felt like I didn't yeah. want to pressure him to come to Boston, but I wanted him to make the right decision. Like, for instance, in Utica, they don't do this surgery. So he would have had gone to Rochester. And so if he's going to go to Rochester, which is two hours from Utica, then why not come out here where the or, best... Or it had to go to Boston. Or Boston, yeah. I'm not, I'm not Boston, oh, but New York. New York City. New York. Why not come here where I am? <coughs> I already know my way around Tina Farber. Yeah. And um, where the best doctors in the world are. You know, we're very, I'm very I feel Absolutely. Like lucky that I could... I'm very lucky that I live outside of Boston, honestly. I, I just do feel like in that way. My parents in general, my dad and my mom, have been very much here for me during all of this. Like... You know, my, my dad came to visit me w with my aunt when I had my stem cell transplant, and um, I'm glad that I could take you to chemo mm. and could be here for your, him, and you know, I don't know if how I would have been if you were, weren't doing it here, like, because where I couldn't be involved as much, you know? So I feel like, I don't know, we've spent a lot of time yeah. together this last yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> it was the best move I, I made. I think we're kind of a close family anyways, you know? Best move, uh, best move I made was coming here. Yeah, right? I think it was good. When, when Becky was convincing you to come up back to Boston rather than staying, you good, was there anything that she described about Dana-Farber in particular um, that kind of been like, okay, you know, I could try that? Well, I knew Dana-Farber was uh, a, a huge cancer institution. And I said, well, heck, I'm going to go to the best there is in the East, to be honest with you. I just felt that way. I wasn't sure about, I had nothing... Uh, to know nothing about Rochester. I didn't know anything about uh, New York. And uh, Becky being in, uh, in Boston area, it, you know, in your mind, it sways you in that, uh, that direction. On top of that, she'd been going there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, again, cancer, ter terrible. But has there been any good that's come of it between maybe a relationship between you two? I mean, let's talk about spending time together. Yeah. We've we have spent a lot, a lot of time, time together. together. <laughs> we really have, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's good. I yeah. think, honestly, that my parents have been around for my, my kids. They've seen my kids way more. I mean, I live yeah. away from home, and I've lived out here for a long time now. And I feel like 
I, I love, they love that my parents are here. They're so yeah. excited. And I, you know, I told my older son, Adam, yesterday that you had a, you know, that you're cancer free right now. Yeah. And he was like, oh, really? He was yeah. so excited, you know, because they do worry about my, you know, my yeah. dad. And they, they worry about me. I'm better at talking about my dad than myself to my kids. But um, I do think that, the, that we've grown closer, you know, and that kind of I thing. I agree. Yeah. Have you learned anything about one another that you can share during your multiple times together? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think what have we learned. Put you on the spot. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. I think, um, well, I think that my dad and I are a lot alike, and we both, we both are very busy people. Like, we like to keep busy and keep active. And right now, he's recovering, so I'm on his case that he needs to go out for a walk every day. So the oh, first yeah. day he was here, we're like, we're going out <coughs> for a walk. I can't believe how weak I've got. Yeah, so oh. I'm like, we gotta go, we gotta walk. Cause yeah. he's a he's a fixer. He used to used to run the 15k. Yeah, he did. He did that. Yep. So he's a fixer though too. He likes to keep active, fix like things in the house, and do that kind of stuff. And I know he haven't done that in a while. So I know we want to get back into doing that. Yeah. So I just been nagging him. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think that you know. I think that it's good. We have a good relationship, and I think it's been, yeah. you know, helpful to to be together through this. You know, rather it's than being alone, there's more. It's worked out great. Yeah, really. yeah. You had mentioned you, you do tell your kids. You you just told your kid that yeah. their grandfather is yeah. cancer free. Do you plan to tell them more as they get older, or is only if they ask? I know that's a good question. <laughs> well, my older son will never ask because he worries, so he keeps it all bottled up inside, and I know he does that. Um, so I do need to tell him from time to time if I feel like he. When I go to my treatments, I'm always like, I'm going to the doctors. And I, this is how I kind of said, you know, I'm okay right now, and I'll let you know if I'm not. I'll let you know if things aren't like not okay, and so I kind of kept it at that. I tell them that, you know, I just have to get medicine to keep me healthy, to keep me, you know, I kind of leave, I just, because they don't, you're so young, I try to keep it just very open, but we do, and then my younger son will always ask questions, he wants specific answers, you know, he, he's, he's a more of a talker about things, so yes, I will tell them more, they do the, the MMRF race with us that we do every year, my parents have been up for it too. Uh, you did it, you walked not last year, the, not last year because you had the bladder cancer, yeah. but the year before, year before you walked, yep, and my coworkers and my friends will be like, you know, we don't, they want Denny to pass them because he walks really fast and he beat some people two mm. years ago with your walking, but anyways, so my kids know about, you know, cancer, they know, I don't, you know, I don't know how much they understand about, but they, and their friends have now joined our team, so it's gotten bigger and bigger, so there's a lot of people that know, but I think I will definitely, you know, share with them things. I try to stay positive, especially. I don't want them to worry, you know. Absolutely. Now, you had mentioned your team, maybe we'll even yeah. go back to stuff, but correct me if I'm wrong here. Is it Becky's Brigade? Yes. For your 5K team, how did, did that start, you know, right when you were diagnosed? And yeah. how has it grown or has it changed since it started? Yeah, it started that first year. I, I'm trying to think, I was diagnosed in the, December of 2014, so our first team was 2015. I think, I'm getting mixed up with these. I think That's we okay. did, we've done three or four years. And it's grown, it's like, it was over, like around 100 members last year. We raised over $10,000. Wow. Yeah, so the first year I think we did, I looked it up actually the other day, it was like less than 5,000. So 
we really wanted the tent that they give you, <laughs> and you had to raise ten thousand for it. So we had a bowling fundraiser, and we made some good money for it. Yeah, and so we, so we plan on doing it again next year, and um, it's a nice little event. And actually, Dr. Govril did it with me, and my nurse practitioner, Caitlin, did it too. Yeah, that's I was awesome. And a couple people from the Dana Farber lab did it too. Yeah, that's good. Any bigger plans for it? Like, where do you hope it? It goes. I just, I just want to continue like raising the money um, and having that event. It's a nice event. I think it, it, it's, it's good. I like what they do. The MMRF is one of those, the ones that, you know, they've gotten a lot of those drugs approved, and they, they do the clinical trials. And they, I mean, they give money towards the clinical trials and things like that. So, I just want to keep participating in it and seeing if we can still get over ten thousand, still get like a hundred members. I would like that. <laughs> It's fun. Both of you seem to note that this coming together and talking about your condition is, isn't something you do regularly. But, but you both agreed to kind of do this. I know, I know <laughs> Becky, you were, you were on a couple other features as well. So what convinced you to come sit down and talk with us today? Yeah. I don't have trouble talking to people that are going through the same thing as me. So if I can help people that are going through the same thing, it makes me feel a little better, I guess. I don't know. I feel like I don't mind talking about it to those. I don't want to talk to people that don't have it, I guess. So I think it makes me feel better to do that, to kind of like support. I would like to support other people <coughs> in, my, in the way I can support, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and, and matter of fact, uh, <coughs> I didn't realize, but one of our friends that uh, also had uh, bladder cancer prior to mine, I guess he's doing okay also. He was a little yeah. bit younger than I am. Yeah. But, uh, one of those things, I guess, yeah. that happens. Becky, g going forward for you, um, I mean, it's, it's something you, you are doing, you're doing your routine tests, you're, yeah. you're coming back in. Is it something that you still think about, you know, just your, the tests, or is it something you've been able to kind of at least put off to the side of your mind? Well, so it's interesting. Like, I remember when I first knew I would check my labs always, and then I would get myself so upset, like, when I saw them. And so I s I've stopped checking my labs when I'm not here. And so, I feel like part of me likes that I come once a month now, but then part of me gets nervous because that's a long time to not go without to go without treatment. Once in a while, I, I get a little panic, you know, and I, I worry and I get a little panic in my in my heart, and I'm like, oh no, and I think about things down the road, you know, like if I'll be around for like certain things, and you get yourself a little crazy sometimes, you know, and I try to put that aside, but it's still like you think about it, you know, the worst case scenarios, and you know. So I try for the most part to put that aside, you know, and try to just be regular life as possible. Um, I, I do think I stop making myself nuts by taking checking the labs, and I just come in here, and I, you know, every time I come in here, I actually have a good experience. I have the same nurses each week. I either have Mary or um, Kathleen, and I like them a lot. And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I like every, everyone's so, so nice here. So it's kind of actually not a bad experience to come in for, you know, treatment. So I'm just going to keep going doing that, you know, and try not to get worried. I do get worried right before I come uh, with my labs, I do. You know, because what happens when it, this medication, the treatment doesn't work anymore, you know? It gets you nervous, so. I just try to like, just get through it, you know? Yeah. yeah. For, for you, for both of you, I guess this is a question for the two of you, pieces of advice. When people do come up to ask you, or if you could even think back and give yourself a piece of advice, uh, what would that be? 
Well, just breathe. <laughs> I think um, my advice, I guess, would be, I, I don't know, to talk to people about it, you know? Um, it does make it a little better. I think talking mm. to people that have the same condition kind of helps a little bit. And I have talked to people since, you know, my diagnosis that are in the same boat, and I think that makes me kind of feel better. And I think also joining that team and being part of something that fundraises, and I don't know, that just made me feel better. It made me feel so supported by other people, and I think that helped. Is there any advice you'd give yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you gave us a look over there in the corner. Well, uh, as I said, um, you know, I never even thought about ha <coughs> having bladder cancer, you know, and you just, it was a shocker. It really was a shocker. And um, now that I've had bladder cancer, I've run into two or three other people that are also in the same situation th that I'm in. So it, there's a lot more out there than I thought. So I n know that I'm not the only one out there. Yeah, it can make you feel so Ma cool. makes you, Makes you, you know, it's one of those things. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Unfortunately. Absolutely. Do you guys have a website for Becky's Brigade or uh, a file? Like if people were curious or even wanted to join the team, how oh, did they sure. get more information? Well, uh, after January, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation um, sets up the races for the Cure events. And so it's the Boston area event. Um, it's in South Boston. It's usually the last weekend in April, the, the Sunday. Um, and then on that web page, there'll be like a Becky's Brigade, um, the team. And so you can either, you know, donate for it or join if you'd like to. Yeah. If you join the team, is there anything you should know going into it? We get a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you get a nice t-shirt. Um, yeah, um, no, I, don't, I guess there's a lot of people. It's a lot of fun, you know. Um, there's a lot of kids, so it's a good, it's a good little race. And it's a, it's a nice 5K. It's very flat, so you can run it, no problem. <laughs> now, is there anything else either of you would like to add or thought maybe we would talk about during this? I'm, I, again, I just say that I'm glad that I live outside of Boston, that I, and I'm glad that things were found early <coughs> for me and that I was able to get treatment right away. I'm really, I'm very, I think, which is an unfortunate thing, but I feel like I'm very fortunate for that. In that case, I'm glad Becky does live here. I <laughs> 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 made a good choice to move away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you didn't maybe agree with when she <laughs> moved away the first yeah. time. <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you two for, for coming by today and sharing your stories. It's remarkable, and I, I think a lot of people will appreciate listening to it. All right, thank you. Thank you.